Warning, this podcast is rated not safe for work for profanity, sexual innuendo, and general silliness. You got to be able to find the button. I mean, come on now. It's right there. Spread the lips. It's right there. <laughs> you know what, girl? You think I can find God? How many weeks do I do this? Every week. I would hope multiple times a week for your sanity, but you know. <laughs> No, are we are are we recording to the right place? Yes, we're recording on the computer this time. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't have the energy for a round two. No, me either. Nope. There's nope. that whole refractory period. I just I don't have it in me. <laughs> well, welcome to the Macabre Academy, guys. Happy Monday. Oh boy, and we have we have a special request episode tonight. Yeah, this is a Patreon. House point winning episode. So Yin's asked us for it. You might regret it, but you get you're getting it. <laughs> it's on a town called Kenodin. Before we get into this, yes, we did have our first watch party. Yeah, how much fun was that? Andrew loved it. Him and I have been talking about it. It's fantastic. There's another <laughs> joke that he needs to work into the next one. So be on the lookout for that. Um Watch parties, we we're going to try to do those once a month. Last time we watched History of the World Part 1. Um, come at me if you want to sue us for copyright infringement. We got no money. Go fuck yourself. Uh, well, it was a private watch. It's not like we recorded the session. It's not posted anywhere. It is literally just for our highest tier Patreons. It was That's fantastic. It. it was a great time. Um, thank you to all three of you who showed up. <laughs> it was really fun. I told our producer she's got to show up the next time. Hopefully we get some more people for the next one. We are going to be doing uh, Bleached, the documentary on Nirvana. That should be fun. So if you liked our Nirvana episode, come on by. Uh, $10 a month Patreon goal, or Patreon donation there will get you in. Mm-hmm. Um, or I know Andrew's wife is real into it, so she's going to be joining us uh, for it with mm-hmm. him. That should be fun. That I was a good him. question he gave me, though. He's like, oh, I can have another person in the room. I'm like, dude, you're paying the highest tier. You're not sharing the link anywhere on the internet. It's your fucking house. So if somebody's sitting on your couch, that's on you because you can mute your video and I couldn't tell anyway. So if you've got a friend and you're paying your $10 a month and you want to have them sit on the couch with you in your physical house, it's your house. I don't give a shit. House, car, condo, tent, tree house. We don't discriminate. Wherever you are bring some homies yep but Um, the zoom call is private the link for the zoom call itself is private so only the patrons with the highest tier have access to it yes so come on in give your favorite podcast some money or us preferably one of the two preferably us we need it um but yeah that's gonna be great so we don't have a date set for that but we will uh check our twitters check our discords all of those kind of things and we will get that all set up for us. And we will... Look, whose dick do I got to suck to get all of Macabre Academy on Discord? Because that public chat is really fun. That real-time chat with, with Andrew and you and Leonard. Oh, and yeah. It is just so much fun. It really, really is. And I got to get in there more. So. And it's free. Like, you just, you just download the app and you get live chatting with all of the Macabre Academy. Like, so, yeah. Fun. So we're going to be doing that. So now that we've got the housekeeping out of the way, 
<laughs> Let's get into this week's topic, which is the city, or I'm sorry, the village and civil parish in Rochford District of Essex in England, which is named, what is it, Steph? Canoden. Canoden. There it is. It's, uh, I don't care. I don't think anybody really gives a shit where it is. So, uh, but it extends down to the uh, river crotch. Crotch <laughs> river. Gotta love, <laughs> gotta love the British. You gotta watch the rot. You don't want to get any crotch rot. You gotta keep up on that. Got to dredge it every once in a while. Get in there, really, really go to town on it. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> uh, this is a very small village. Its population, uh, the last one I could find because I didn't look very hard because I'm a piece of shit, was from 2011, and they only had a little over a thousand people in it. Yeah, it's pretty small. It's very small. It's as I said in. Essex. It's in the eastern part of England. Uh, if anybody cares about the postcode, it's SS4, and the dialing code is 01702. Oh and man, we should is, call them on a po- podcast. Oh, we totally should. Just pick a random number and just dial it. <laughs> uh, they are served by both the Essex Police and Fire Department, and their ambulance service is the east of England. So now that I've bored you with all that shit, let's get into something else. Canoden is situated on one of the highest hills in the of the Essex coastline, from which St. Nicholas's Church affords wide views of... I can't even say this with a straight face. You have to uh, do it. Affords wide views of the crotch estuary. You need wide views of the crotch. Okay, Kevin. I have wide views of the crotch. Although a nice close-up is also very good. You know, I actually talked to this one guy who was like, I don't like the close-ups. They're too medical. And I'm like, that's the best part. What are you talking about? Uh, East of the village lies an island, and it's popular for sailing and a wetland sanctuary for wildlife. Mm. The name of the town is derived from the Old English. We love the Old English. We love the Young English. We love the Old English. Teenage English, not so much. Too much. Too angsty. Very angsty. (laughs) (laughs) Its uh, meaning is the hill of Canna's people and is not, as is sometimes claimed, from Canota the Great. He wasn't that great. I don't know who he was, so... I don't know. He wasn't that great, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> if you say you're great, you're probably not that great. What if the other people who followed him named him the great? Like, they wrote the history books, not him. And that's true, because he was dead. Mm-hmm. So, now we're going to get into some early history, which is better Super than early. late history. Which is better than late history, because late history, you're already asleep, you're not really paying attention. That's why you get your bad grades. You got to take those courses early. Look, you're fine as long as you don't use that common era shit. I will kick your ass through this microphone. So, a number of sites in and around this town reflect the occupation of the land from at least the Neolithic period, which is 400 to 2 which is 4000 to 2000 BC. For for example, 
uh, gravel extraction from the 20th century. They found prehistoric remains there, such as a horde of Neolithic axes and, uh, and uh, people from the Iron Age. Some of these things are on display at the National Maritime Museum in Greenwich. And there's all, they also found a Bronze Era paddle there, which is kind of interesting, I guess. The town's location was, uh, was favorable for its vantage point and proximity to the sea. They were a trading post. They also had salt production there. So from prehistoric and Roman times, farmsteads and cemeteries were found on the higher grounds. Roman urns were found in the village in 1712. And along the coast were Roman Red Hill Salterns. Salt. I, I got to learn to read. Well, there's like, I, I was a little sh- shitty on the research myself too, because I found salt urns and I found burial urns relating yes. to the Romans uh, or the Saxons is what I found. So apparently these things I'm talking about that I can't pronounce, get your house points in now, folks, were structures constructed of clay. They had clay floors, they were heated by flues, and they were and they were dated upon the Roma the Romano British pottery. Salt was used in their ancient diet, as well as for grazing animals as a refining agent in metallurgy and for smoldering and dyes. You know the the heated floor thing? Hang in there with me. I just watched a documentary on the Disney, the Plus. And it was talking about Pompeii and reconstructing one of the buildings. And there was a giant, like, bathhouse thing. And it had heated floors in it, too. They were explaining how, like, they had, like, warm chambers with shit. Like, I can't get heated floors in my house now. And then I'm looking at these ancient structures, and I'm like, they had fucking heated floors? What the fuck? A friend of mine's family... I don't even know if they still own this house, but back in the day, their house was fucking baller. And in their basement, they had heated floors, like by the like by the couch, the chairs, and leading into the bathroom and in the bathroom. And it was the most fucking epic thing ever. Mm. It was so nice. I was like, oh, I need to get me some of these. Top tip, don't heat your driveway. It always breaks. <laughs> Oh, tip. <laughs> you tip. heard it. You heard it here first. The Macabre Academy for all of your life pro tips. <laughs> oh my God, you need to. Get, you need better role models. You need to get better advice. However, that does need to be a T-shirt. The Macabre Academy for all of your life tips. Actually, wait. Yeah, I'm, I definitely want some new T-shirts. Somebody write that down. Put a pin in it. Write it down and remind me. <laughs> Just put a pin in it. So the this is now we're into medieval history. Oh, okay. And I don't know if I'm stepping all over your notes because I didn't read them very well because you know. And right now you haven't. All right, good. So there'll be a point where I'm like, shut up. I'll right now you're good. Uh, the name Knoden predates the Danish Knot uh, the Great by about 400 years. But this area is claimed to be the site of an ancient camp used by that king during a battle nearby in another town when he was invading Essex in 1016. Uh, Remains of the camp are thought to be marked 
in the entrenchments between the village and the river. And I covered that. So the first documented use of the town's name was in the Doomsday Book of 1086. At the time, there were 28 households. And that's really the only interesting thing there. So we're going to skip the rest. Although there was a town hall built on a site that formerly was a fortified mansion. So that's kind of cool. Should have left a mansion, though. Fortified is always better. Buildings, cities, wines. (laughs) Try the mold wine. It's delicious. (laughs) You're still wound up. (laughs) And now we move into modern history. Mm. I know. Very big fan of modern history. Local, the local economy is based on coastal industries, as one would expect. Um, Agriculture and the brick industry have declined in the later part of the 19th century, and the population there fluctuated accordingly. In 1801, the population was 569, and then it rose to 723 in 1841, and then declined again to 495 in 1901. So, oh, this is some fun stuff here. Okay. Angus Morley was killed in the village in 1915 by an incendiary incendiary bomb, which landed on her house when dropped from a Zeppelin. She was the first Zeppelin. We do. Like a lead Zeppelin? Yeah, sure. Okay. As long as it's a lead Zeppelin. She was the first woman to be killed in mainland Britain and received a heroine's funeral. The event was widely reported in the papers at the times. So we are now into 1937, where the Royal Air Force was fearing a war with Germany. Knoden was one of four radar sites established to test the use of the chain home transmission and receiver radar sites around the coast to direct to detect enemy aircraft and estimate their range. Uh, the final 20 sites were crucial to defense against the Germans during the Second World War. Later part of the 20th century brought residential development, including the building of a, of a model village in 1960s in the southwest. In 2001, the census reported 588 households with 1,477 people in them. Hmm. And that's what I have for their history. Yeah, I, I, got, the, uh, I got the dark history, as is my, my style here. <clears throat> so you, you ready for this fucked up fuckery that is about to fucking happen? Sure, let's go with it. Okay. So Kenodan is also known as Witch Country. And it's the most haunted place in Essex. But I do have a complaint. All right. So hang in there with me. I found snippets of stories on why it was haunted. And there's only like a couple little bullet points. But I couldn't find the actual. I'm not saying it was witches. But it was witches. It was aliens. It was witches. Well, okay. So I tried to find, I had to dig for ghost stories. And if this is the most haunted place in Essex, why did I have to dig this fucking hard to find ghost stories? I just throwing that out there. So a lot of it, a lot of Kenodin's 
kind of magical dark history central centralizes around St. Nicholas and the grounds. Jolly so, old? Hmm? Jolly old? No. No, this one's in league with the devil. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so the most common ghost story is about the apparition of the gray lady. Apparently she has one of those poke bonnets and no face. Just nada. And you can see her on a moonless night. But I don't like, I don't have this lady's fucking backstory. Like, I don't know if she was like a widower or she died in childbirth or mold by wolves. Like, I have no idea. Speaking of moons, I want to inject something here. Please do. So we all know that vampires can't go out during the day, right? Correct. Well, the moon has no light of its own. So the, the light off the moon is just reflected sunlight. Therefore, vampires can't go out at night either. It's science, people. It just is. <laughs> I was literally sitting here trying to think of a comeback as you were going through that because I'm like, oh, it's reflected light. So they can be out in the shadow of the daylight. So there is ambient sunlight around and they can walk around in the shadow. It's just not the direct sunbeam can't touch them. Can't touch this. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> So they also have a headless ghost story, and this person, doesn't say what kind of headless ghost, chooses a victim at random, and then they'll find the body deposited in a ditch later. My favorite is this ghost story about the 1980s. There are these small demonic entity thing, and it could chase a motorcycle at the same seat as the bike. But it doesn't tell you anything about what happens after it chases the bike. Like, I don't know if they just, like, disappear when they get to, like, a bridge or something. Like, it's just a very shallow story. Um, Most people believe, though, that the ghosts in the area were the ones wronged by injustice. So they're doomed to walk the, you know, doomed to walk the earth or whatever. The most decent story I found, however, was a ghost story about the Anchor Inn in Canoden. So... The pub is a pub was haunted Love by you need a good pub. The ghost is named Sarah. Okay. So she had gotten busy with a local wealthy landowner. Yeah, she did. Mm-hmm. Brown chicken, brown cow, chicken, brown cow, brown chicken, brown cow. Oh my God. Sound maiden. Please make that a SMMs, SSMs, whatever. Make it a sound lip, please. <laughs> I've never heard anybody sing it that way. <laughs> brown chicken brown cow like yeah. what <laughs> brown chicken brown cow i love that okay so sarah got busy with the wealthy landowner and then his wife found out as one does right i'm gonna call his wife karen because you love no, a good karen yeah she's a karen in my brain because there's no name given so karen ordered sarah to be locked into the pub, like in the building, in the upper floors, until she gave birth. Then she had Sarah murdered. They didn't say what happened to the baby, but whatever. Both visitors and staff have reported that they have smelled uh, unexplained perfume. They'll hear a baby crying, and then they'll see, like, items go flying across the room. Nice. Yeah. The big thing, though, okay, When this was recommended to me, I was told to listen to the episode Lore Bottled Up by Tara. 
So I purposely did not listen to that episode until I finished writing mine. (laughs) And then I listened to it this morning and a lot of my research found similar things. Look at us being on top of shit. Yeah, the flow was weird because that's just the information. What really pissed me off is they had some really good information that I couldn't seem to get my hands on because I don't have access to the JSTOR article databases. I couldn't get a book for this one. So it's definitely different interpretation of the same place compared to lore. So I'm hoping we do our Patreon proud. But what the big thing about Knoden is, is the witches and the witch trials. What's very interesting is during this period in time where like witch trials were happening, there was a very big badass motherfucker named Matthew Hopkins, who was like the witch hunter. And he made this huge big deal about finding witches, getting rid of them. That's dangerous for the witchcraft or whatever. But what sucks is, is he never came to Knoten. And this is documented now, and I'll explain it later. Like, this is a pin in it thing. But there's a couple theories on how the witches survived Matthew Hopkins in this area. Do you know how he died? No, I do not. Tuberculosis, actually. What is that called? Uh, Consumption. No? Wait. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Good. You know, uh, do you know how many people he is believed to have been responsible for killing? Actually, no, I didn't look it up. Uh, between 1644 and 1646, him and his associates are believed to have been responsible for the deaths of 300 women. Motherfucker. Yes. 300. 300. The 300, they should all come back as ghosty witches and beat his ass. Yes. I yes. love it. Yes. So, Matthew Hopkins, he was born in 1620 and died in 1647. So, he killed a lot. His, his diary must be very strange. You know, wake up in the morning, breakfast, shower, death, 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 quick lunch, death, 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 death. I mean, I should have laughed, but... <laughs> Thank you, Eddie Izzard. I ripped that completely off from you. <laughs> oh, no. All right, so he was an English witch hunter whose career flourished during the English Civil War. He claimed to hold the office of witch finder general. Hey, so do I. I found you. There you go. Yes, you could be our witch finder general. That's Kevin's new title. But I'm not going to kill anybody. You're the headmaster of House Veritas and witch finder general. If we ever go to like like a haunted con or a a paranormal con, I need that on a t-shirt. Yes. Or preferably a hoodie or a flannel or long sleeve t-shirt would be perfect. Talk to Sound Maiden. She's in charge of our merchandise. So anyway, uh, where was I? Witchfinder General, uh, although <laughs> that title was never bestowed upon him by Parliament, and his his activities mainly took place in East Anglia. I have no idea where that is, but I wonder if there's a West Anglia, or is it just like what about anyway. North Anglia, South Anglia? You don't want to go to South Anglia. 
A lot of dangling down there. It's very strange. <laughs> no, don't go. So let's not go there because it's a silly place. <laughs> it's near that crotch river, so it's very moist and just you gotta. Yeah. Anyway, lots of baby powder helps. From what, <laughs> what if we put that on like? I'm not here to kink shame, but baby powder helps. <laughs> nice. I like it. <laughs> So his witch-finding career began in March of 1644 and lasted till his retirement in 1647. As I said, him and his associates are responsible for... Oh, this is new. Him and his associates are responsible for more people being hanged for witchcraft than in the previous hundred years. No shit. They were solely responsible for the increase in witch trials during those years that he was active, so between 44 and 47. I need to pee on this man's grave. Yes. (laughs) He is believed to have been responsible for the executions of over 100 alleged witches between 44 and 46. It has been estimated that all of the English trials between the early 15th and late 18th centuries resulted in less than 500 executions for witchcraft, Therefore, presuming the number executed as a result of his investigations um, is at the... Wait, what? Ah, we're going to skip that part. It doesn't even make any sense. So do we want to get into this guy's early life? No. Okay. We'll just skip I'm to I'm sorry. Jeffrey Dahmer, if you look at his early life, is still fucking Jeffrey Dahmer. Or, or Gacy is still Gacy. Uh, it doesn't matter what he was like when he was a young kid. It's like all like, unless you were whipped and beaten and you know, hold your water, Sybil. Like there's there's really no point. Yeah, I just read over it. There's nothing interesting there. So we can get into his witch hunting though. Ugh, you're gonna hurt my heart. Go ahead. Yeah, we can skip it. You tell me. What do you want to do? It's your podcast. I'm just living in it. You want to skip to you want to skip the witch hunting and and go to the methods of investigation. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's look at that. Yes. So methods of investigating witchcraft drew heavily from inspiration of the demologue of King James, which is directly cited by Hopkins, the discovery of witches, which I think is a pamphlet that he read. Yeah, it's very famous, The Discovery of Witches. Okay. I still, like, that's on my Christmas list. Like, I would give my left titty for a uh, a transcript of that. I would love to see it. I've never seen it. It it came out in 1647. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Does uh, he have anything to do with the witch's hammer? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. It's okay. Oh. So, although torture was normally unlawful in England, Hopkins used techniques such as sleep deprivation to extract confessions from his victims. He would also cut the arm of the accused with a blunt knife, and if she did not bleed, she was said to be a witch. Other methods were the swimming test, based on the idea that witches had renounced their baptism and water would reject them. Is it, um, wait, what's the duck thing? Wait. So, suspects were tied to a chair and thrown into the water. All those who swam, in quotes, or actually, you know, just floated, were considered to be witches. The waters, our bodies are naturally buoyant in water. 
Yes. Okay. So uh, Hopkins was warned against the use of against the use of swimming without receiving the victim's permission first. Um, this le- this led to legal abandonment of the test at the end of 1645. <laughs> Hopkins uh, and his associates also looked for the devil's mark. This is a mark that all witches or sorcerers were thought to possess and that was said to be the dead said to be the deed to all feeling and would not bleed although sometimes it was a mole a birthmark an extra nipple or breast I don't have an extra nipple or breast uh, let's see here if the suspected witch had no such visible mark Invisible ones could be discovered by pricking. Therefore, witch prickers were employed who pricked the accused with knives and special needles looking for such marks normally after the suspect had been shaved of all body hair. It was believed that the witch's familiar in animals such as a cat or a dog would drink the witch's blood from the mark as a baby drinks from the nipple. My, my heart hurts right now as it hurts. Uh, he's buried at the Church of St. Mary at, at Mistley Heath. So, uh, road trip? Road trip. I have a grave to pee on. It is going to happen. So, road trip. So, Did I ever tell you my past life regression story from my Reiki session? Uh, no. No. Okay. So the guy that did my Reiki section, I wasn't expecting this because I was like, okay, Reiki is bullshit. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, bullshit. And I got halfway through the the session. I was like, oh, this isn't bullshit. So I just kind of like gave into the experience of it, which I'll do an episode on Reiki, Reiki, whatever later. But when I got done with the session, the guy sat down with me and he looks at me and he folds his arms, you know, his hands like this. And he goes, do you believe in past lives? Kevin, do you know what our first episode was on this podcast? Past lives? Yeah. (laughs) I was like, really? Go ahead. Try me. He said um, that he got a lot of fire and he thinks that one of my past lives was uh, me being a witch burned at the stake. The problem is with me now is that I've donned the exterior and I have taken up the mantle, but I'm not living to my full potential as a witch. Well, just don't order any steaks while we are out and you'll be fine. So there's every chance. Okay, let's pretend for like half a second that this is true. So there's every chance that this motherfucker could have been the guy that got me burned. So let's move on to a happier topic. People being locked in pubs. Okay. I don't know. I'm just moving on from there. Well, I need to do the witch trials. Yes. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. Yes, you do. Yeah. Yep. Witches, I am in love with this family-run business, Mystical Existence, the bath products that turn your ordinary self-care ritual into a celestial experience. As a witch, my bathing habits are sacred. 
So I was overjoyed to find products that not only smell amazing, but don't irritate my sensitive skin. My favorite scent is Scorpio, which was designed with Maggie's daughter and the perfume her mother used to wear at heart. All soaps, lotions, and bath bombs are handmade with supplies that are purchased from ethical and responsible manufacturers. A portion of the products are vegan for all you animal lovers out there. As the wheel of the year turns, new products are designed to match the seasons. Currently only available in the United States, you can find Mystical Existence on Facebook, Instagram, or at their website, mysticalexistence.com. For 15% off, use our promo code MACABRE. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E. So there was a couple theories why Matthew Hopkins did not go to Canonan, right? Why would you, if you're this badass witch finder general, why the fuck didn't you go to the witch country village? Which country? This country. Yeah. Well, there's a couple theories. One was the terrain sucked. The other thing was, is the village was too poor to afford his services. These things happen. Mm-hmm. Also, they think that maybe like they tied the strength to the witchcraft practice later. And at that time, it was not as notorious for witchcraft. The favorite running theory is that the witches were too powerful to fuck with. And they were too ingrained into the culture. So there was like legit fear of witches in this area. So they thought that maybe Matthew Hopkins couldn't, you know, his dick wasn't big enough to go up against them. Especially since like the general populace didn't necessarily support his views because they saw a distinct difference between witchcraft and the cunning craft. So there's a deep connection to a cunning practice in folk traditions. Uh, witch hunter John uh, Sterrine. Okay, dude, he was buddies with Matthew Hopkins. And he remarked that while he and Hopkins wanted to pursue the cunning folk, they could not because men rather uphold them than say, why should any man be questioned for doing good? So they're basically saying, all right, look, these people practicing magic are actually benefiting us. So if you could not go after those motherfuckers because we like them, that'd be cool. So if you're, if you're a witch, you're harmful. But if you're a cunning folk, which was very popular in you know, England at this time, um, then you were helpful. The trials in Canoden, um, there was actually only three, and they took part during 10 years. And this is starting a little after... Matthew Hopkins, it's 1580 is the first trial. And it was with this spinster lady named Rose Pye. Pye? Pye. We're here with Pye. Oh, I have some pie in the fridge. Cherry, apple, blackberry, or blueberry? Pumpkin. 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 Good. Yes. Blackberry is my favorite. I might have a slice after this. There you go. You just well-earned post-podcast pie. Ooh, post-podcast pie. Yeah, we got to make that a thing now. Oh, it totally has to be. <laughs> well, Rose Pye was thought to use her witchcraft to murder a 12-month-old. What? Back up. Beep, beep, beep. Back it up. <laughs> Why do they say 12-month-old baby? It's a year old. I don't know. 
what, what is that? I had I babies. Know. I don't get it. 36 months old. No, your child is three. 36 months. What the fuck is wrong with people? If you're a 12 month old baby, you're a year old. Okay. Well, I digress. So this baby that was a year old named Joanna Snow died in August of 1575. Rose pleaded not guilty. She was acquitted, but she died in jail waiting for her release after she was acquitted. She sure did. Yep. So she died from a witch trial, but not because she was guilty. The second case was Cicely Mackin from 1585. So she was accused of witchcraft, and apparently you could get out of a witchcraft trial if you could locate five character witnesses to testify that you were, in fact, not a witch. Uh. She could not meet that minimum requirement. So the court ruled in that she was practicing witchcraft, but then she was given five years to convert her ways and not do the witchery anymore. The records indicate that in 1590, the good wife Makins, which is spelled different, um, was was punished for witchcraft. They think it's the same one. They just took liberty on the spellings because not a lot of people could spell in the 1590s. So they guess what her punishment was? Uh, having to learn to write. No. Okay. Oh. Their idea of punishment was damning her soul to everlasting torment and hell. That was severe punishment for witchcraft. And then she was excommunicated. And that was that. I mean, she seems like she got a fairly light. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not how, you know, Matt would have wanted it, but whatevs. But what happened was, is there's only two women charged in three trials over 10 years. And nobody was put to death. And I watched so many crappy YouTube documentaries. It's like several witches were murdered during the witch trials in Knoden. No, they weren't. I, they didn't, they turned off commenting on YouTube because I was about ready to cite like six sources where they were fucking wrong. Look at us being a factual podcast. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm all about them deets. Show me them deets. So Knoden, it's a legend says that there will always be six witches in that village. If one dies, another one will emerge to take its place. Now, there are supposedly three of cotton and three of silk. So in, uh, so in Kenodin, those witches refer to, like, cotton is, like, a lower-class witch. So there's three of those. And then there's three upper-class people who are witches. And then I was listening to something that was, like, and one shall be married to the butcher, and one shall be the one who laundresses or something crazy. So, like, they're very specific as to who these six witches will perpetually be for, like, the rest of time. One's married to the butcher, one's married to the baker, one's married to the candlestick maker. Literally, yes. Yes. I wonder if that's where that came from. That'd be great. So, witches were considered to be older, ugly hags with undesirable personality traits. I'm going to go with abrasive old fuckers, okay, because they just speak their mind or whatever. I'm like, oh, how dare she say that? You know, whatever. I'm, that's what I have in my head. Like, me as an old lady, basically. Um, in fact, the, 
this is where you see witch being used as a derogatory term. Because even my mother-in-law, you know, the bitch, bitch-in-law, she actually got so pissed at me, she called me like a black, black magic devil witch. Nice. She just lost her shit. Christian lady zoned in on the fact that I'm a practicing witch and just tore me a new asshole because of it. So there's like, there's still that stigma of witch equals hag equals ugly person equals disgusting, bad person. I don't get it. But when you're looking at it in this time period, they were also known as um, grannies. And uh, they use like folk magic charms, such as like knives or pairs of scissors under the doormat to keep witches out. So they're like these, these, nice old ladies that you like and they have anti-witch magic <laughs> what's interesting about the scissors thing is it sounds very familiar to the horseshoes in our iron episode do you remember that i do i was just thinking that actually yeah i wrote it in my notes i was like holy shit you can use scissors like horseshoes i'm hanging some above my door i think that's more menacing than fucking horseshoes but you know what else so also being a witch right you you have a familiar, okay? They are considered to have imps. And what really seems to be big for Kenodin is all of these imp familiars manifest as mice. Hmm. This bothers me because I fucking love Cinderella and the little mice minions with like, you know, Gus Gus and Bruce Bruce and all like gathering the corn and stuff. They're like, technically that's like making Cinderella a witch. And that makes me sad. Because she's not. Oh, I needed Brandy for that one. Whatever. Okay. So there's a local blacksmith that was rumored to sell his soul to the devil. And he was also. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But his gift for his soul were these micey imps again. Okay. And as the dude lay dying, he wasn't allowed to die until he bestowed the powers that the devil gave him unto another soul. Oh, so, fun. Yeah. So he goes to his wife and he goes, take my powers so that I can die. And she's like, fuck that shit. I don't want your fucking mice. That's gross. <laughs> but for some reason, his daughter accepted and the mice like ran off the little bed and went over to her. And then he was allowed to die. Dead. I like that one. I get, I don't know why I like that story, but I was, I was big on it. What's interesting is, is the most famous cunning folk magic comes from two dudes that come from Canoden around this time. The cunning folk in Britain were actually active during the medieval period through like the earliest port part of the 20th century. Do you know anything about the cunning folk? I do not. I was just going to ask you to explain it to me. Well, wonderful. So the cunning, like, it's like we're on the same page on the same podcast. No way. But, okay, so cunning folk were good, remember? They're not bad. They're not using witchcraft. They're helping. So they were real big on remedies, and they would study, like, grimoires and ceremonial magic, and it was okay because they were valuable to the community. They provided essential services that aided in health, love. They even helped minor authorities with minor grievances. And it's just a very, like, shamanistic nature. Most practitioners were also Christian, which was I thought is funny because the church is like, you're using magic. You're in league with the devil. And they're like, dude, I'm Christian and I practice magic. No shit. 
satanic and malevolent, even like those were forces that even the cunning folk were being opposed to. So to be pre-Christians kind of like labeling that as pagan is not fair to those people who practice that kind of magic. And it's pulling it out of context in which the way it was used. Different regions would call these people like wise men, wise women, pillars of the community, um, and sometimes white witches. This is what blew my most my mind most, because you know that I tend to lean t- more towards Wicca practices. Um, various type of folk magic was found amongst the Anglo-Saxons. And their terms for these people who practice these kind of magic was the term Wicca was for male and Wiki was for female practitioners. I, I thought this was interesting because a lot of Wicca seems to be around like female centered, but they're actually using the term for male practitioners from the Anglo-Saxon sense. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I was like, Oh, that's where I get the word Wicca from. No shit. I didn't even know until I started look, looking into this. So thank you, Tara. You've enlightened me on something. Um, Okay, so these two guys that I were talking about, I just, I got like seriously derailed. Like it just went far right. I shouldn't drink or I should drink more. Drink more. I'm drinking whiskey. Okay, so the first cutting man that made a name for himself in Canoden was James Merle. He was born in 18 or 1785, but in 1812 moved to Essex. Now, this motherfucker was a shoemaker. Until um, this guy named uh, Nebode, we're going to go with that. He was a wizard. Wizard. And he crossed his path and he started teaching the craft to James. So James like, this is pretty thick and sweet. I'm on board. And then he became a cunning man. And in general, he was very helpful to people. His fees were modest. And he even provided care to people past his prime. Like, if you needed help, he would not turn you away. He um, removed himself from the wider community, though. He liked this, like, air of mystery and tried to have, like, this certain persona. And he would rarely speak. He would only travel at night. And generally, his house was a place to avoid unless you really fucking needed help. And this cottage, like, I kind of want his cottage because it was full of hanging herbs, crystals, mirrors, divination tools, like, water scrying and shit. And he even had a trick telescope that would grant him the ability to see through walls. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I think there was a few accounts where people who he had help said that the house smelled like books and herbs. And I'm like, I'm all about that life. Like I need that. In about that life. house. Yes. But he made himself quite a name amongst the locals. So even wealthy aristocrats would solicit his services. My favorite was that I found a list of his, uh, his charges. Okay. So he would charge a half penny for curing warts, two shillings and six pence for breaking a witch's spell. There you go. Yeah. I mean, it's fair rates, you know. But he would divide the problems that people were having into two forms. So you would have high problems, which needed magic to fix, or low problems that needed material help, like a potion or something. 
And because he was Christian, if he was battling these malevolent super, supernatural forces, he would summon angels to help him against these bad spirits. He was highly skilled in astrology, divination, so he would find lost objects, return them to their owners. He was uh, apparently very clairvoyant, could also heal, was really good at casting and breaking spells. My favorite is that he described himself as the devil's master. Nice. Yeah. He cultivated like that air of mystery. And he was actually the one experimenting with the creation of iron witch bottles. Witch bottles are really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited when this crossed my path in my research. Laura touched on it too, but I actually make witch bottles. Not in the way that they use them here. I use I make modern witch bottles, but I I, I love the idea of this so much. <clears throat> now, not my witch bottles, but the original ones, like, oh my god, this is so cool. They would fill them with like the victim's urine, hair, or nail clippings to trap their evil inside that bottle bottle. And then they filled it with needle needles or pins to impale the evil. Then they would dump red wine down it so that they could drown the evil. And then they would top it with like rosemary to cast the malice away. Nice. In some situations, they would make substitution like sand, stones, knotted thread, feathers, shells, herbs, flowers, coins, ashes. I mean, you just interpret that however you want. You shove that shit. There was like some weird house in Pennsylvania or not in Pennsylvania, in the United States that were found with these bottles in the walls and shit. And there's quite a few interesting stories in uh, Europe as well about finding these bottles from this old folk magic. Um but I digress. They basically offered protection. So as long as this bottle stayed intact, the magic would keep working. So when, when you do one of these witch bottles, you have to go out of your way to hide them or bury them or something so that they are not found and broken. But they did experiment with like disposable bottles that can be thrown into fire or into bottles uh, or bodies of water to break spells or kill a witch. You could actually, one of my favorite witch bottle spells right now is for uh, war water, and you're supposed to throw it and break the vial on somebody's doorstep. So, hey, here's some broken glass and some rust and shit. Congratulations. Like, I hate you. It, nice. it just seems appropriate to me. So, Long story short is I make these fuckers. So if you guys want a modern tutorial on them, you have to like slide into the DMs or the socials to tell me that you want it because I'm not going to give you the full tutorial. I will not be responsible right now for that. So what's, what the fuck's his face? James. Okay, so he fed a gypsy woman a potion. And supposedly this lady, so it wasn't a witch bottle, but he created this potion, gave it to this gypsy woman, in which and the potion exploded internally, and apparently this woman was found burnt to a crisp down the street. And the girl that was cursed was apparently Peachy King. And there's a couple interpretations of this story because of word by mouth, basically. Okay. He actually lived nine miles from Canudan but was challenged to uh, like a witch's pissing duel of sorts, like which magical penis was bigger 
but he willed his opponent to die and she immediately found fell dead. There you go. Yeah. Like controlling other witches seemed to be his specialty. They're coming for us. <laughs> yeah. Right. Can you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. My, my mics were allowed or sensitive. I did not drink enough. All right. Let me put this here. Okay. So he caught, he was like a master of witches, so to speak. Villagers petitioned the local Reverend Atkins to, quote, let Merle exercise his whistling powers and make the witches confess themselves by dancing around the churchyard. After the Reverend refused because apparently his wife, Mary Ann, and his sister, Lady Ludwig, were both members of the local coven. (laughs) <laughs> so he, they did not permit James to use his magical powers. So there's, this is where you start to see this link between the church and witchcraft of this area. There's a lot of legends around this tower. I'm going to skip ahead on my notes. So this, this fucking tower at St. Nicholas's, right? I actually found for Tara a full... I have to I have to email it to her, but it's a full breakdown of the architecture of this parish. Since she's an architecture student, I thought it was the coolest thing. But it was built in the 14th century. What was interesting is Queen Elizabeth first used that tower as a navigation point along the Crouch River or Cooch. What is it? What's the river name? I believe it was Crouch, but I could Crouch. be wrong. Yeah, whatever. So the the Lady Vagina River is <laughs> a navigation point along the way. And it was also a signaling post in World War One, too. But villagers, like, they believed that every time a stone fell from the tower, a witch had joined the coven or died. So, like, the, the they already linked this place to witchcraft, and now it's perpetual. Side note, though, witches could dance around the tower naked to summon the devil because apparently oh. he lives under that courtyard. I've never heard a case of a church where a devil lives in the churchyard. Like, yeah, it seems a little kind of intuitive. Literally what I was just thinking. And there's some crazy cautionary tales around that fucking tower. So, you look, you, you want to go to this tower and have a good time because I have like six different things to try. To help summon the supernatural. Well, I mean, we're already going to be there to shit on that guy's grave, so. Yeah, why not? Let's have some fun. Right. Okay, it's pretty simple. I think, I think we can get down with this. At midnight, okay, if you walk by that tower, you could get forced to dance with witches. Sounds like a good goth night to me. I mean, that's literally every goth dance night I've ever been to. You just... You have to dance with witches. Game over. <laughs> or if you're hanging around that tower at midnight, they might pop out and sing to you. I don't, witchy woman, I don't know. I don't have a good song for that. If you run around three times backwards, you can see a ghost at the top of the tower. That seems like a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Or, or if you go just counterclockwise three times and a portal will open up that'll let you travel back in time. I mean, anything to get out of 2020, am I right, ladies? <laughs> okay. On Halloween, if you walk around it seven times, you get to see a witch. 
I'm doing that right now. I know. That one was kind of like, mm. but if you do it 13 times, you gain the power of in- invisibility. Ooh. Mm. Hmm. One lap counterclockwise on Halloween, the devil appears too, apparently. I mean, like, if you, does it keep, is it there like a counter? Do you have to like pull, like, take a ticket every time you go around so it knows what to do? We don't know because the police actually cordon off this area against ghost hunters and shit on Halloween. So there's no way to test this out. Oh, of course. No way. No way. <sighs> okay. So the other big motherfucker that came out of Canoden is George Picking Gill. Picking Gill? Yeah, George. The Devil of Canoden was his name. So this motherfucker wrote the Picking Ill papers about the history and anthropology of Wicca and more. Alistair Crowley was thought by many to be one of his students. That motherfucker, that crazy asshole, Alistair Crowley. I hope nobody ever makes me do an episode on that. If you win house points and you make me do Alistair Crowley, I will literally cry on air, just so you know. Ugh. So technically, this this guy's practice was considered dark and satanic in nature, too. So a lot of modern-day Wiccans don't want anything to do with this Pickington Papers or Aleister Crowley. Big shocker, because here I am, like, please don't make me do it. So he came to Cadoden with his family in 1864 to 1868. And there was a lovely description of what he looked like. He was a tall, unkept solitary and uncommunicative he had a very long fingernails and kept his money in a purse of sacking what's a purse of sacking i have no idea yeah also he always had like this favorite walking stick or something and he was also of the cunning folk with herbal remedies lost object placing curses blah 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 uh, apparently he was also like, he could like talk to animals and make them do shit like a horse whisperer. But when he did this, it was technically controlling his familiars or some shit. If you pissed him off by looking at him wrong, you could get pretty sick. And the only cure for that was a tap from his walking stick. Okay. So it's like, it's like Gandalf stick. You know what I mean? Like boofed. Okay. You're fine now. And then he actually used this fucking thing like Moses to stop threshing machines. To the stick. They don't let you live. They don't let you breathe. The bastards. Mm-hmm. They think that possibly that this George motherfucker was a ninth witch or something to the six witches that were always there. It's just like they added an extra one to the silk witches. I, I think they, they wouldn't be the seventh, not the ninth. That the note said ninth. I Apparently th- people can't count. Well, no, because you have the six and then you have no, they really can't because six and then James and then him. So it would be eight. Maybe I hit the wrong key on my notes. Whatever. Whatever. They're trying to up the six witches that are supposed to be there. Whatever. Okay. George considered a master of witches. He considered that of himself, implying that he could control other malevolent witches. And another malevolent witch did not know who another another one was like you weren't allowed to know if the other 
who any of the other malevolent witches are. So like if I'm a malevolent witch and you're a malevolent witch, I don't know that you're a malevolent witch. It's some sort of weird witchery shit in the dark arts, I guess. It's like the Highlander. There can be only seven. (laughs) There's only one. I don't know. Well, okay. So George could summon any of these malevolent witches by a wooden whistle. I just keep imagining Duck Hall in my head. But it's a, it could control all nine covens of Exis, Exis, Essex, Hampshire, Hedfordshire, Norfolk, and Sussex. Okay. Yes. Okay. So the last little bit on this guy that I could dig up, this George Pickengill, was that most of his history comes from a writer named Charles Lefebvre. <laughs> and he said that George sold his soul to the devil. So he was visited by black magicians from all over Europe and engaged in nocturnal orgies in a churchyard with him nice. and his witch's kin. Love it. So they actually tasked clergy of St. Nicholas to break up these orgies because they would hear like noises at night that they thought were like, I was thinking like raccoons, but apparently it's a witch orgy. And these clergy guy fucking runs out to break up the shit. Right. Cause he's like, Oh no, these witches are getting busy. They're having an orgy in the churchyard. And when he goes outside, he sees like 13 rabbits just chilling in the lawn. So apparently Witches or rabbits have really loud orgies. I think we need to test this theory. Get your witches. Let's let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you had like today's history. I only have a little bit left on the witchcraft that's going on today. All right. Uh, yeah, I think we've hit about our time frame. So I think we're I think we're good here. Okay, cool. We hit the bare minimum. <laughs> Listen, we're trying our best here. We really are. I wish Academy. We're trying our best. I just, you know what? I always get nervous when uh, House Barnum wins an episode and gets to pick a topic because I'm afraid I'm doing them dirty every time because that's my house. So this is actually causing me weird fucking anxiety that I did bad. Like I didn't get enough information. Okay, so there was a writer named Claire Smith. Yes, there was. Yeah, she was pretty famous. I think that's in those JSTAR articles that I couldn't get to, so I had to go with other people's interpretations of said articles. I would have liked to read firsthand sources. I'm sorry, we're not that good of a podcast. We're trying our best. Yeah, but she surmised that it was, quote, the village, the village was the last places of traditional belief in witchcraft. She had actually, this writer had dug up six documented witches in the area in the 1880s. Did she go out with like a shovel and like dig up, like dig up the graves? Like, no, they were live and practicing according to the the source. But uh, when, when you said dig up, I just assumed she was out there with a shovel. Just actually, it's probably more like a big game of hide and seek. Just check the broom closet, guaranteed you'll find a witch. It's fine. But what what troubles me, okay, like I know it's 1880s and you found six witches. You couldn't even write down their first names. No, of course it was not. Mary, Joanna, Samantha, Gail. Like I give me something, something to get credibility to the story. 
But one of these women that she found that were witches could inflict lice on those that annoyed her. Lice. Lice. She would curse you with lice. I have never had life lice. No, I've never had a life. I've never had a lice. Well, I you've never. Lived. You've definitely never had a life. Your friends with me, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Shit. Okay, a sec. Sex. Second. We can tell where my mind is. It's so Chicken far. Chicken brown cow. Chicken brown cow. <laughs> okay. A second witch she documented could fix people with glaring eyes to prevent them from entering the church. Okay. One enduring power of a witch that continued in the 20th century was that the Knoden witches had an ability to bewitch wagon and cartwheels. So anyone who took a bicycle into the village would pop a tire, basically. There you go. Smith figured this out because it happened to her when she left the church and she wrote, she wrote about it. She said, after having a look at the carved witch's cat, the old archer tomb where I said the children used to listen to the devil rattling chains, I found my car and its first puncture for over five years. What? Okay. You're in a car. You, your tire, you know, it's punctured. I just, I just, my first puncture in over five years, that just sounds like penetration in my brain or something like it's just so technical and dry. He penetrated you where? (laughs) That's like, that's what I hear in my head. People visiting the churchyard have witnessed strange phenomena to this day too, because there's like ghost hunters that like to fuck around there with figures standing under the church portal or floating around inside. They are even people documenting that they saw women dancing in the courtyard. Most haunted was a team TV show bullshit. And one of their psychics said that they felt Matthew Hopkins presence at St. Nicholas. And this is probably the, this is where I stopped researching because this pissed me off because Matt never made it to Canoden. So how did this motherfucker professional, most haunted psychic bitch decide that this guy had showed up? He, he'd never been there his entire life. Aliens. Okay, aliens it is. All right, so that's it. That's everything I could find in Kenodin in four days. All right. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> I, think we, I think that was pretty good, if she, you know. The way I tell a story is not as engaging as the way you tell a story. It's like, here's facts, 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 and some swear words and some facts. Are you ready for your strange but true? Weird but true. Weird but strange. It's your segment, goddammit. It's weird but true. Whatever. It's the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Same difference. So in Catholic lore, there is a demon that collects all of the mispronounced words said by priests, puts them in a sack, and the sack is later carried by the offending priests into hell. I almost thought you were going to personally attack me with that. That's pretty cool, though. (laughs) You know I'm good for mispronouncing words. I I feel like you personally picked that out just to get me. Maybe a little bit. Okay. All right. 
So our non-offensive dare is not a number selection this week. Okay. Yep. So I owe two non-offensive dares. One to House Barnum for one a month they won, and one I am way fucking overdue with because it was the Halloween dare. <laughs> House Nevermore won that month, and they were supposed to pick a dare, and I never, I don't think I ever did it. So we're going to do it now because there's nothing like a nightmare before Christmas. Yeah, I like where you're going. Yeah. Okay, my darling witches, it's time for your weekly non-offensive dare. You must be a Patreon to participate so you can earn points for your house. Each month, the house with the most points gets to vote on weekly non-offensive dares, topics of future episodes, and so much more. Each week, once you've gotten your dare, you must safely and creatively complete a post on social media so that we can see that you've done the task. You can tag us at Twitter at Macabre Academy, or you can tag us on Instagram at The Macabre Academy, and you must include a hashtag with your house name to obtain the points. The world is a fucked up place. These dares are designed to bring silliness and random acts of kindness into the world. You must safely complete your dare. If you are unsafe, your points will not be counted. You can also earn additional points for your house by being the first to submit episode corrections to us at themacabacademy at gmail.com. Also, if we use your ideas or stories in a future episode, more points may be awarded. Let's return to the podcast to see what your weekly non-offensive dare will be. So the non-offensive dare from Sophia is to dress up as a character or an original character from your favorite Halloween movie. Nice. Yes. So that is your dare for your Nightmare Before Christmas dare. All right. Yes, sir. We're done. All right. You know what the best part is? We What's don't that? know what the next episode was going to be, so I can't even give you a, a preview. Tune in, ne- tune in next time to figure out what the hell we decided to do our next episode on. Woo! <laughs> we are a prepared group of people on this pod. Right here, right now. Super professional. Every time. We're, re- we're recording next on Wednesday. I figure Tuesday night we'll finally settle on what, we need, what we're going to do. Yep. Which is good because right. I've been working on the cult of the grade 11 for two months now. Well, then that should be a very good episode when we get to it. Oh, yeah. It's going to be like a three-parter. You guys are just going to have to sit there and be bored while I yammer on for three episodes. I'll tell you what. You yammer on, cut in some reaction shots of me, we'll call it a night. I mean, fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're right. Let's call it a night now. So we'll, we'll right. talk to you in next week. Get your house points in because we know we done fucked up. Definitely. Get your house points in. <laughs> All right, y'all. Okay. It's been fun. It's been real, but it ain't been real fun. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons. For updates, please follow the Macabre Academy on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and listen exclusively on Buzzsprout. Soon, we'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts.